friends at Tivoli Brewing Company and the Department of Communication, Arts, and Sciences at MSU Denver, this is Unfiltered. And here are your hosts, Jay Schrader and Dr. Samuel Jay. Jay, you and I are here today with Rick Reich. Rick, I'm going to obviously let you introduce yourself uh, here in just a second, second, but uh, you are known as the kind of founder and president of, <clears throat> make sure they get this right, Premier Draft Services, correct? Is that right? Close, yeah. Premier Draft Beer Services, but yes. Okay. I forgot the beer. Okay. The beer is the most important part, Sam. <laughs> well, I guess. We do, so you, we do coffee, we do wine, we do kombucha. Okay. So you yeah. can do it all. Okay. Uh, Rick, tell us, uh, yeah, okay, tell us about yourself. I guess let's start. What is the company? What is Premier uh, Draft Beer Services? What is that? Uh, yeah, so we're, um, we're a subcontract draft line maintenance company is mainly what we do. Um, we do the perform the biweekly cleanings of draft beer systems all throughout the state. Um, we, uh, we've been going on for about 14 and a half years now. And basically, we're, we're just contracted with distributors, um, with independent breweries that are self-distributed. Um, and then we have a few bars and restaurants themselves that kind of look to us to be their, their entire draft system maintenance program. Um, we do some light install work, but mainly what we focus on is, is the actual scheduled line cleaning side of things. So draft beer is, is what we do and what we do a lot of. So... So Rick, which is the most um, important or the largest part of what you do? Is it is it a distributor that you maintain 20 of their lines in a single bar or is it, um, I mean, how does that work? Like if you walk into, let's say, God, I haven't been in a bar in so long, I can't even think about it, Falling Rock. There you go. And yeah. you're the contractor for XYZ distributor, but they only have 30 lines at Falling Rock out of their 100 and whatever. Do you only clean that distributors or do you, does it work a little bit differently? So for the most part, yes, that is the way it works is we're, okay. we, we go, so we'll go into, you know, an, an, any day, everyday bar and clean just the ones that we're supposed to. Um, sometimes that just by default, because of how many different companies we work for, we end up cleaning them all anyways. Okay. But it, it kind of brings up a couple couple issues and points of, of the way that kind of the culture is um, with a lot of rotation, and they call it the rotation nation now, where everybody puts on one keg, um, and maybe it's from you know XYZ distributor, um, and we don't clean that one, and we went in there, and by the next time we come in, it switches to a different one, and so it can kind of create this this little bit of a pitfall almost where things might get get skipped a couple times or get double triple cleaned as well um we've we've taken a lot of that equation out by we work with probably i'd say about 70 percent of the market share out there wow seriously uh, here in denver uh throughout the front range yeah holy wow. shit <laughs> Damn, we, uh, thank um, you thank you for your yeah, no kidding Jeez. Yeah, so jesus uh, i had no idea yeah we've been we've been going strong for a long time and um, you know, just been slowly picking up more and more as people realize that it's important. And, um, just by default of that, cause it used to be, you'd have 10 different people coming into a, a different bar or restaurant and it might get done. It might get done partially. It might get done really well. And there's so much inconsistency with that. So we've been able to, to kind of level the playing field, if you will, and, um, and be able to get the majority of them 
taken care of while we're there. Um, now, there are some other establishments. Um, Falling Rock is not one of them. Um, they actually have their own in-house line cleaning that they do. So they make sure that everything gets done. Um, um, and so they, they have a cycle that they do everything their own. Um, but, uh, for example, like the pint room, which is down and yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, of course, Sam and I have, Sam and I, have yeah, we go there a lot. Twice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the, the, the most amount of draft lines in the state. Um, we, oh, uh, really more than falling rock. Yeah. They have 176, I believe or 175. Oh, uh, that's awesome. And, uh, so we, they actually came to us and we kind of came to a mutual cause we were already doing 70, 80% of their lines. And we kind of went to them and said, Hey, do you want to just work with us on the rest of them. And so we clean all their beer lines every two weeks. So that way nothing ever gets missed. And so we have about 20 or 30 places, the tap rooms, mainly the ones that, that this is their bread and butter. That's what they, how they make their money is off of their beer selection and the large, large variety of beers that they have. Um, that we, we work with them independently and, and, you know, build for what we can clean for what we can from the distributors and independent breweries and then kind of work out something with them, them directly. But, um, for the most part, you know, it's, it's, it's enough to keep us real busy. Um, <laughs> so wait, Rick, is, is that, I guess, I mean, that seems like as, as a business owner, right. And as a, you know, an entrepreneur, once at what point is it easy for you to go to a pint room or, or not, you know, I know you said, uh, that you were doing falling rock, but maybe like a, you know, a Lodo or something like that. And to say, look, we're already doing 70% of your stuff. Why don't we just take over you as a client? Is that an easy, do you have a number in your head as you're kind of starting these conversations or is it something that happens a little bit more organically? Uh, it kind of tends to happen more organically, but the okay. biggest issue is cost. Okay. So normally whoever, the, the, there's, the way it is in Colorado is whoever distributes the beer, whoever sells it, drops it off, is who's responsible for the line clean. Okay. Um, so, you know, Breakthrough Beverage, they have their portfolio everywhere that they drop off their products. They tell us we go clean their beer lines everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if it's an independent uh, local bar or restaurant, it's up to them to figure out what they're going to do. Or I'm sorry, not a bar or restaurant, a brewery, sorry. Um, a brewery that distributes out, it's kind of up to them whether they want to go third party contract, try to do it themselves. Um, or whatever, you know, hope that the account takes care of it. So, um, so for, so for us, it's mainly, like I said, kind of a cost thing. Our, our biggest way we've been able to gain business and grow is to go after distributors. They are, you know, they've got lots of products out in lots of different bars. Um, and you know, they're, they're, they get it. Um, the hardest one is probably to go after the, the nano brewery, the, the local neighborhood brewery, because it's, you know, they either are trying to wear a hundred different hats and they're the brewer, the salesperson, the delivery guy, and now they're supposed to do line cleaning, you know, and they just trying to, trying to get it all or, or they're, they're, you know, they just run out of time basically. And so that's kind of when we go to the bar or restaurant and say, Hey, this is something that might be getting missed. And can we fill that need for you to make sure you guys have consistent quality? Um, so so it's kind of, you know, uh, it, like I said, it, it is a little more organic conversation and it kind of depends on, you know, if, if the bar or restaurant really wants to, to make sure that 100% of the lines are getting cleaned every time. So is a lot of the time just one shitty beer or I mean, is it, you know, I guess not just one, but a series of maybe five or six shitty beers and people go, oh, this high ally should taste a lot better and it doesn't. Is it something as simple as that? 
Um, I mean, it depends. I mean, you're, you're going to have your consistent drinkers that are going to know that, you know, that's what they know and they expect. Like you said, let's say, let's take high life, for example, you know, they go into a bar and they order a high life off draft and they go, Ooh, that's not right. They're yeah. either going to order something else. They're going to order a bottle. Um, or if they get it, you know, if they, let's say they order another beer, they order uh, a DPA and they trade that one, they go, Ooh, that one kind of tastes funny too. Then they order another one. They go, that one tastes funny too. Then they're not going to drink at that bar. Yeah. At all. Um, you know, but then there's also other variables about the, the keg itself. There could be something wrong with the keg and it, it needs to be returned. Um, but for the most part, um, you know, it, it is, it, it is probably just a, a matter of, of enough places, um, you know, receiving complaints or Yelp has been, I'm sure phenomenal with people making sure if they get anything wrong with anything, they're going to let you know about it, um, you know, behind, yeah. behind those doors. Um, and so, you know, enough of those come through and, and that might kind of spur the conversation. Um, but most of the time it's just because we're already in there. We're already doing most of it. And they kind of go, why don't you just clean them all? Well, we can then kind of start the process going that way. But do you find a place like, I know Jay, you've got plenty of questions too, but do you find a place like pint room or let's say fresh craft, um, where the expectations for quality are just higher. And so you're going to hear that from your partners in those bars to go, okay, obviously these th- the lines aren't cleaned the way that we want. You know, we need a, you know, a premier draft beer services to kind of take, take over. Is it, is it, do you notice that taste, I guess, that expectation from certain establishments versus others? Um, yeah. And I mean, it, it, it's definitely growing. It used to be, you know, 10 years ago, it was, there was, there was the beer bar and yeah. there was a yeah. beer bar and kind of the, the, the sports bar and, and, you know, a few things in between, but the beer bars for sure, definitely higher quality. I mean, you know, we, you, you, we've spoken on a few of them and, you know, there, there's, there's a bunch out there now that, that have, they've really grown their, their uh, portfolio. And, you know, I, I think once an account hits, having 20 different flavors on tap is when you kind of market to a little bit of different clientele and you start getting those, the aficionados, you get the people that will be able to pick up on a bad aroma or a bad taste or smell, um, you know, and, and be able to distinguish when there is something not right with that beer. Um, and the amount of beer styles that are out there as well kind of actually make it a little bit more complicated um, because, you know, with the whole introduction of the whole sour, um, beer style that, that, that really came in, uh, you know, about seven or eight years ago, um, and then kind of coming in with these lactose beers and things that they're popular in the last couple of years, those are actually like off flavors that we try to prevent by cleaning and they're introducing them into the yeah. beer. And so, you know, you kind of, it's like, well, you, that is, it's actually a desired flavor on, in some, some instances. Um, but, uh, but when a beer that isn't supposed to have, it has it, it's really apparent. Um, and, uh, and, and just the, the general knowledge base of the average consumer, I feel has gone up exponentially in the last 10 years. Um, you know, and, and here in Colorado, especially, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, the, the magnifying glass is here and, uh, and yeah, you know, the, you know, we, we, every year we have, 
everybody coming in and wants their beer on tap and wants it to taste right. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, the, the expectation for quality here is, is really high and, and, you know, it's a, it's a welcome challenge. So. For sure. Let's, let's talk about what that looked like for you 10 years ago or even before that. I mean, how the hell does somebody even get into this and start their own business? I mean, were you just working in bars and restaurants and, and had a, a, a love of craft beer on the side and realized that <laughs> poor maintenance and, and shitty management was the problem or, or what led you down this path? Um, I mean, we love these stories because one of my favorites is the guy that was an exterminator that now owns a distillery. So <laughs> feel, free to, feel free to embellish a little bit here. Uh, I don't know if mine's that much of a, much of a leap, but uh, um, I mean, I, I got the job just right out of college. I, I was working kind of for a distributor, but they set me up as a, an independent business as a contractor. Okay. Uh, and I realized that the job was not being done well hardly anywhere. And so just by doing the right thing and doing it correctly, um, just watched it just continually grow and grow and grow and grow. And, you know, just keeping a high standard is really all it's taken um, to kind of get it where it's, where it's at right now. But um, I mean, I don't, I, I didn't, I, I went kind of straight from going out of college into this. So my love of beer was high at that point. Um, I went to school up in Fort Collins and, you know, had a bunch of really good, really good uh, breweries close by that, that I was able to, you know, I, I got to throw my hat off to New Belgium and their quality standards that they have yeah. from the beginning has been top notch. Yeah. And so to go and clean lines with those guys in Fort Collins, elbow to elbow, and kind of understand that they get it and then clean their lines elsewhere in the state and just know the amount of care and, and that they put into their quality program was, was phenomenal. And so it just kind of made me want to push that out further because this job, it's, it's very, it's a, it's a qualitative job. It's not a quantitative job and nobody's there watching exactly what's being done. It, it can, it can be fudged very easily. It can be very, you know, Oh yeah, sure. I cleaned everything. I took the faucets off. I detailed the tavern heads. I, I let it, you know, recirculator soak for as long as it was supposed to. Nobody's really watching. It, it's it's a total honor system. It's a total integrity job. It's not like a delivery job where here's your two kegs and four cases, and they go, "Hey, you're missing a case. I was supposed to have five cases." You know, <laughs> something very easy to tell. You know, it's, it takes you know a couple weeks or a few months for like, oh yeah, this guy hasn't taken faucets off in the last two months. And now we're getting floaties in our beer. We're getting, you know, you can see the visible crust build up on the outside. You're getting some diacetyl or acetic acid flavor and stuff like that. Um, they're very nuanced things. And so to be able to have, to kind of, you know, bring their level of care to the, the greater market was, was a really big, important thing for me. And I just, I really like beer and I really care about, you know, draft beer in particular um, because it's better for the establishment. It's better for the, you know, the, the, uh, the consumer you're getting more bang for your buck i mean it's it's better all around we're brewing more beer we're drinking more beer we're selling more beer it's less packaging it's you know it, it's better for everybody so that's just kind of my my thing was my internal drive i guess to push that um you know out into a greater area and and just kind of ran with it so how how some poking around oh no go go ahead jay you're good I, I did some poking around on your website and actually listened uh, to the Brewers Association presentation on cleaning draft lines from 07. Uh, how, how 
integral has that been in, in the expansion of your business from the craft side? I mean, I was blown away that somebody would have put together a slideshow and a video of that back in 07. Um, but obviously, especially, well, prior to quarantine anyway, craft beer brewers, they have nuances, right? They're, they're, their particular brand and their particular style and flavor and taste is what sets them apart, if, especially if they make it into a, a bar or a tap room that's got multiple breweries on it. Um, how much has, has that brewery industry uh, um, influence had on your business? I mean, do you think that's helped make your case as, as what you do being important? Yeah, so kind of um, echoing along with, with, with the, the, the Brewers Association came out with a draft quality manual and I think that's what kind of what you're, they, they excerpt from that and, and came up with the cleaning kind of uh, port, uh, video and presentation and things like Whatever that. Whatever the guidelines are, yeah. yeah. So prior to that, there was no guidelines. There was no, okay. this is how beer lines wow. should be clean. There was no, nobody set a standard. And so guys from, uh, well, Matt Meadows and Neil Witt, um, I'm sure you guys both, um, Neil Witt used to work for Boulevard. He's yeah, yeah. Big, Matt Meadows is the national uh, is a, the national quality guy for New Belgium. A um, uh, guy from Sierra Nevada. I can't remember if it was Ken Grossman or not. I think it was. Um, got a couple guys from InBev. Uh, some people from I think Miller Coors got like a bunch of quality heads got together. I think it was about fifteen people and came up and said, "We need to standardize this. We need to come up with some guidelines and you know." So we can make sure this is being taken care of. And prior to that, there was nothing. There was, you know, one person taught another one, taught another one, taught another one. And that's kind of, you know, that's not a good way to set the way things should be. And there was no science behind it. There was no data behind it. There was no, it was just a do what the person before you did. And so they actually put a lot of thought and information and, and did research and collected data and got all sorts of stuff together and came up with, with a best practice guide. And that, because I'd already been doing it the way it was supposed to be done by following kind of the direct New Belgium guys up, up in Fort Collins. Um, you know, uh, we, we uh, were already at that standard and kind of had found a couple ways to even go above and beyond that. But that kind of piece of literature and to have the Brewers Association come out and say, here, here is the way it should be done, mm -hmm. did really help because the way to do it correct is a huge pain in the ass. It takes a ton of training. It takes a whole lot of labor. It takes, um, you know, a lot of kind of skill. It's no longer just untapping one keg and tapping into another one. You have to couple things together and, and create a bunch, like a daisy chain type system, make sure that all the parts and pieces are in the right way. It's, it's not just a, you can't train a bartender to do it overnight. Um, and so it kind of allowed us to be this kind of specialty niche business that it would, was able to really get into how to take care of draft lines correctly. And, and if you wanted to do it yourself, if you want to do it correctly, it's going to take a major investment on, you know, your, your small independent brewery to try to figure out how to do. And so them coming to us as an option is that, well, here's a affordable, you know, I don't have to try to train and figure out and schedule in all this stuff. I can just outsource to a third party has been, it did help a lot. Um, and just to kind of get to the bottom of, of what you asked for. I mean, that, that literature did, it really opened a lot of people's eyes that this is even something we do. I mean, there's, 
there's a handful of even new breweries that we'll go talk, talk to and say, Hey, have you guys, what do you do for line cleaning? And they go, well, I don't know. Uh, didn't even yeah. think about that. I want to ask you about the yeah. process, but it just made me think, Jay, like I remember as a kid, I can count at least six, seven times that my dad, before he even got into craft beer drinking, which now that's all he drinks. But I mean, drinking like a Miller Lite, he would send it back and say, this is a bad keg. I wonder how many of those times it wasn't a bad keg. It was a bad line. Like we, like we take for granted, uh, uh, you know, the quality of beer and we just assume that, uh, that the brewery themselves are the ones behind that shitty beer. But in fact, it's probably the lines. So um, I guess with that being said, I don't know if it's a connection. What is the process for cleaning a line? Can you kind of summarize it for our listeners a little bit, Rick? Yeah, yeah. So, so um, there, there's kind of two ways to do it. There's the cheap, fast, easy way, and then the more detailed, in-depth way that we do it. The cheap, fast, easy way is you basically have a little one or five-gallon keg um, that you can refill with whatever you want. You put a cleaning chemical in there. It has a standard bung on the top, like on the top of a keg, and you tap into it, open the faucet, flush the line, close it up, disassemble the faucet, clean that out while it's sitting there in the line soaking the chemical. We use a caustic soda for the most part um, for, for uh, seven of our cleanings. And then on the eighth cleaning, we also do an acid cycle as well to get rid of the inorganic type of material. Um, but the caustic cleaning is what we do most of the time. It's, it's, a, it's a caustic soda. Um, it's hydro, it's a, uh, sodium hydroxide. It's pretty nasty stuff, but um, it kills anything that's trying to grow in the line, any bacteria, mold, yeast, anything that's left over in the line. Um, after that, um, after we've got all the parts and pieces cleaned up and it's soaked, we refill it with water. We flush all the, the, the chemical out with water, and then we tap into beer and flush all the water out with beer, uh, test it to make sure it's, it's pH neutral where it should be, and, uh, and then kind of go about your day. Um, the other way, the more complex way, um, is we use a recirculation pump. And it does, there's some literature that says it does a 70, that's seven zero times better job than the first way I described. So the first way I described, that's the way 90% of the companies out there clean is using that canister method, that soap method. Um, the recirculation pump cleaning, um, we, we take, in a very simple way, we take the two tavern heads off the couplers, connect them together, and then we put a hose that, that connects out at the faucet from one to the next. We, 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 uh, we turn on our pump, it flushes all the beer out of the system and fills it with water and then with cleaning chemical. And then once the cleaning chemical gets all the way through, we drop them both in the same bucket and it recirculates through. And we do that, for, it lets it go through for 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, while that's doing, we take apart the faucets, clean those out and, and uh, do all that other stuff where, we're supposed to do kind of in the meantime. And um, while it's, it's doing that, the, the way it does a 70 times better job. So the, there's four things that make an effective line cleaning. The, the first one is temperature. Um, and I kind of relate this back to um, think of like a, you left a spaghetti, a plate of spaghetti out on the counter overnight. You're going to do dishes the next day. Um, in order to clean that plate, if you use cold water or hot water, which one's going to be better? Obviously, hot water breaks the stuff up, gets it better. So temperature is your first thing that, that um, you want to take care of, and that's pretty easy to take care of. We use hot water. Uh, the next one is going to be time. So if you were to let it sit and soak, uh, um, obviously, if you let it sit for 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, it's going to be easier to clean off. 
So time of contact is our other, another key factor of how we, we, we do cleaning. Um, then the, the next ones are going to be um, uh, percent caustic or how strong your solution is if you use yeah. soap versus just water. Um, and that's kind of a standard. We use the same matter what. And then the last one is going to be turbidity or um, circulation or movement. If you just soak a plate and just try to lift it up and see, it's eventually going to kind of get clean, but not so much. If you take a brush and scrub it, Control. it's going to do a lot. So what, what the – what a recirculation pump does is it allows better recirculation or turbidity. Um, it allows that more forceful. It's continuously cycling through the lines. It's continuously moving, catching all those places, low spots, high spots, everywhere in between. Um, and then it also allows for, um, for a warmer, you have better uh, control over the temperature. Um, and the CO2 that is actually involved can, when CO2 gets, gets involved with a caustic soda, it actually creates carbonic acid. Um, the carbonic acid can actually start to neutralize the effect, the, the pH of the, the caustic we use. And so by eliminating CO2 from, from this, the, the equation, um, you actually get a stronger concentration as well. Um, so with the recirculation pump, it just maximizes all those things. And the other thing it does is every other line gets cleaned in reverse. Um, you're going backwards. You're going from faucet to keg where otherwise everything always goes keg to faucet, keg to faucet, keg to faucet. And I don't know if you've ever seen like a, 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 a like a water tube uh, or water uh, pipe, I should say, like. Um, oh yeah, the flow is gonna, it's gonna build up in a certain direction. Exactly, and so when you and go it, back uh, the other way, it, it picks up on those kind of scales that have been laid down and it peels those off. Ah. So you're actually a little bit extra, extra cleaning as well, so. So the, that's where they think they kind of came up with that 70 times better is, is with all those factors involved um, is, uh, is that. But, but uh, you know, it's, it, it's kind of a pain to do. It's, it's kind of a pain to do. It, create, it has a high potential for, for leaking, for making a mess. Um, you know, you're obviously you're using a, a, a pressurized system on it. Um, so, I mean, a lot of people shy away from it, but, um, but once you get it down and get used to it, it does a phenomenal job. And that's what we're all about is it might take an extra five minutes or it might take an extra week of training someone to do it, but it's the right way to do it. And that's kind of where we're at. So, I mean, Jay, I know you got a question real quick. Sorry. I was going to cut you off before you ask yours. Like I, it makes total sense though, because I mean, I grew up working in a restaurant and you take that extra time to make sure everything is so sanitary. It's just required. You have to do so many crazy ass things in the back of house. And so to think that, you know, the things that, that, that basically a lot of the stuff that you've just mentioned is just taken for granted in a restaurant, like in a kitchen, you should just be doing this shit. Right. Uh, but, but front of house, I guess, uh, you know, you know, the, when you're talking about pipes and stuff like this and lines, we just don't even think about it, but Jay, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to ask what the influence of your biology degree has, has had on your job, um, from a chemical standpoint or a water flow standpoint, or if you're, career as a firefighter on the side has had more of an impact. We don't usually do research, but I actually got a little curious today because this is a new topic for us. Yeah. Well, yeah, no shit. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, I, I obviously the, and I was, I became a firefighter after I had this job. I've just been lucky enough to be able to fulfill both. Do both. Um, Yeah. That's awesome. Fires as a career. Um, And it's been able to let my wife stay at home and raise the kids and, 
Um, you know, my youngest daughter actually has uh, uh, some health problems and was born with some uh, genetic condition. And so it was super awesome that she was able to stay home and we didn't have to worry about, you know, I was able to pick up her, her job and, and, you know, balance both of them and, and do it well. It's been, it's been great. Um, you know, both of my, the biology degree and the fire side have influenced the way I do this job immensely. And the biology degree obviously made sense for microbiology and pathology and understanding microbes and, you know, the, what it takes to kill them and what we're after, how to, how to effectively, you know, try to, try to take care of things and, um, and keep things sanitary and understand, you know, the brewing process and where we sit with everything is, is, is definitely helped a bunch with that. Um, and then the fire side has kind of helped me more on like the organization side of the business. Um, you know, understanding, you know, just, just kind of the business end of things and, and trying to come up with the, a way of, you know, a, a tiered structure of being able to pass communication and, um, and everything like that. And then also some of the hydraulics and, um, you know, when it comes into building a draft beer system or putting a, a draft beer system together, you know, that kind of thing, it, it's helped with some of the understanding of, of that side of stuff. But, um, but yeah, I'm, pic I'm picturing a bunch of part-time firefighters cleaning, <laughs> cleaning keg lines on the side and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> it out that way so when i had my first bump in business i think i had five firefighters working for me um because i was a volunteer still at the time um and uh and i just went to everybody and said hey is anybody looking for a little part-time job and they yeah sure so um so hired a bunch right off the bat um but and then uh, it's kind of dwindled down the problem is is our schedules are so varied because we're on a shift and it always changes and bars and restaurants, they really want you to be there like every other Thursday. I know my beer lines are getting cleaned. And do they expect the same guy? Usually, yeah. yeah. For like, like you're going to assign Joe Schmo to this brewery, this brewery, and this pub so that there's consistency. They get to know them. They develop a relationship with the bartenders and the management. Exactly, yeah. And that's, gotcha. that's, a, big, that's a, big, a big thing for us is consistency is key and and trying to, you know, let, let, let these bars know that, you know, expect us, we're going to show up when we say we're going to. And, you know, it, sometimes we're, you know, we, we go to, go to enough places and we develop enough of a rapport with them that we're, you know, they go, Hey man, do you guys want to just, you know, here's the key codes to get in or here's a set of keys come in at, you know, cause we start our day sometimes as early as three or four in the morning. Yeah. Oh wow. You know, getting into bars like the fire room, we start at four in the morning for two days in a row, a team of two. Um, and, uh, and so we get in at four and cause we can't clean it 1145. Right. We can't clean it four in the afternoon. I mean, it's our, our windows to be able to get in there are very limited. Um, and so, you know, we try to work with accounts and develop like, like that relationship, that rapport with them to, to make it easier for us and make it easier for them. You know, we're, we're not in the bartender's way of trying to cut fruit or restock glasses or do anything. Um, is it just you doing the, the logistics of all that then, Rick? Are you the one doing the scheduling? Or, I mean, do you have an administrative team, I guess, is what I'm asking. Yeah, you know, we have, we have uh, some administrative help. Um, I, uh, there's one guy that, that mainly does kind of the Denver Metro scheduling um, for me. Um, and then I have a different kind of team up in northern Colorado, different team in southern Colorado, and then a different team on the western slope. Um, but, uh, but the bulk of it is done um, by one guy who's also still cleaning lines. And, um, and he's, he's one of my senior managers um, helping me out here in town that, 
that uh, does a great job of you know getting new accounts and because it's a, it's a constantly moving t- you know target and cycle and, and especially things over the next four to eight weeks however long we're going to take to start reopening things it's going to be you know right now a lot of places that used to get in at seven in the morning they're only doing business they're only doing beer, uh, dinner business they're only yeah. uh, they get there at five and they're done at eight so instead of our day starting at four in the morning now we're starting at ten and you know ten in the afternoon. Um, or sorry, ten in the. I get, it's not afternoon. No, you're good. You're, fire, you're a firefighter. Yeah, you're, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm in the basement twelve hours a day, so I have no idea what a.m. <laughs> or p.m. or what day it is. Yeah. Oh uh, my god. What is your pitch? I guess when you go when okay, so when you when you can kind of target in on a on a pint room, right? That kind of establishment, or you know a brewery what's your pitch then as the person who comes in there and shakes hands and kisses babies what do you say to these people well i'm not even doing much of that anymore yeah okay okay originally Uh, originally what are you training your your sales folks sure sure um no and i'd love to that's that's one of my favorite parts is besides going out and cleaning beer lines is you know just just showing the need um and that's the biggest thing is recognizing a need and explaining it and that's really as, as far as it goes is you know we go in and we we're cleaning eight out of the 10 beer lines and the other two are completely crusted over if you take a, a napkin or a straw and you stick it up inside the faucet you pull out a big old plug of yeast um you know if, if there's no record that shows you know, it's basically just a conversation just a question hey do you know if this line had been cleaned and the bartender goes i don't know and they they check or the manager there's like I don't think so, but you know, who knows? And I say, well, here's kind of, this is what you're putting in people's glasses and um, stuff like that. And so we, you know, just kind of a basic, basic conversation. If we see a need and, you know, obviously if, if, if everything's clean and everything's up to snuff, then there's no need for us to try to gain any business or try to do anything. Um, And that's, that's kind of the, the way we, we kind of were able to go to those places besides them coming to us and kind of saying, like I said before, you know, why don't you guys just do them all? You're already doing most of them and, and uh, you know, eliminating the, the overhead from them because, you know, like I said, they know every other Thursday our lines are getting cleaned and every single one of them is getting cleaned. So it's kind of a peace of mind for them too. Um, they don't have to try to keep track of things because, you know, there's so many different breweries, distributors, and everything, you know, coming in and out of their, their you know, we've got salespeople, delivery people, and now line cleaning you're trying to keep track of and on top of all the other stuff that they're taking care of that's it's just it, it's too it's too much it's an overload for them and so we're kind of an easy button we're kind of a hey let's just make sure we get it all taken care of um, type thing so and then breweries um, you know it's kind of the the question for them is just asking them what they currently do and if they don't have a plan you know they don't have anything they're currently doing we're a great alternative um, if they're like, ah, oh, you know, it's our sales guy that does it. You know, we just say, Hey, if you ever get to the point where your sales pick up to where you need your sales guy to actually do sales and not line cleaning, we're here for you. And so a lot of times they'll get, they'll kind of grow and get to a certain spot where the sales guy doesn't have time to do it anymore. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's out trying, you know, he, instead of taking 45 minutes to clean two beer lines at an account that he's there at 1045 and now you're rolling over into their lunch period. And the bar starting to go like, ah, this ain't right. You need to get out of here. Yeah. Um, you know, but that's his scheduled time to be there. And 
Um, you know, they could be at two other places in that amount of time. So is that two more places you have tap placements and, or, you know, two more liquor stores you can be in and things like that, because, um, you know, the face to face sales is, is key. I mean, you can only do so much over the phone and, and, uh, especially when you're, you're trying to, trying to gain business. I mean, it's, you know, showing up to a lot of bars and restaurants and liquor stores, you know, face to face is pretty key. Um, sure. So, the more they can be doing that and not have to worry about getting dirty and getting sprayed with caustic and getting sprayed with dirty beer and everything and let us take care of that. You know, that, that kind of, the need kind of fills itself once they get there. So get that. what do you, uh, what do you see on the horizon over the next two to three weeks? I mean, I literally just got an alert that Polis is trying to have most restaurants and bars open at limited capacity by the end of the month. I mean, are you going to go like this? Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's, it, it's going to be such a scheduling and disaster over the next <laughs> few weeks. Um, the, but, uh, I mean, it, it, it's great. It's, it's a welcomed problem. Um, you know, I'll, I'll take it. Um, you know, there's, there's still quite a few places out there serving draft and doing to go and doing growlers and, and doing as much package beer as they can. They're still ordering beer. They're still, you know, they're, they're still doing what they can. And so, you know, we've, we've spent the last, the first month of the shutdown um, trying to get in and winterize as many places. We call it winterizing. That's just oh. clearing the system out with beer, uh, flip, rinsing it with water, cleaning it, rinsing it with water, and then blowing it dry. So that way it's, it's uh, kind of empty and ready and prepped for whenever they reopen. They just tap in and can start pouring beer again. Nice. Um, so there's, you know, there's no degradation to the line. There's no beer staining. There's no off flavors developing, any of that kind of stuff. So we're, we spent our first month really trying to hit home all the places that we knew, you know, we're going to be closed down for a decent amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, uh, and then we're starting now focus on kind of the places that are still open for business, still doing the repeat, you know, the, the trying to keep some of their draft system open. Um, a lot of places aren't, you know, let's say they have 30 different beer taps. They're not keeping all 30 flavors open. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're doing a smaller um, amount of, of flavors and smaller amount of lines. They're keeping, you know, 10 or eight or six or whatever, um, just, just to kind of get through this period. But as time goes on, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's only going to, because of how demanding the, the culture and the public is about wanting what's new, wanting to try the new thing, wanting to, you know, have a bunch of different flavors, not, not nobody, you know, nobody drinks the same thing over and over again anymore. It's, it's, you know, what, what's the new style? What's the new flavor? Who came out with what, how did they, how did this brewery, what's their take on it? What's their spin on it? And so as things start reopening, the demand is just going to, you know, pick back up to where it was. So, um, I mean, I, I, I think, especially coming into the summer months, um, you know, that, that hopefully outdoor, outdoor patio seating is going to kind of have looser restrictions than then maybe some indoor type, um, indoor only places. Um, you know, just, just looking at some of the ways that other States have, have proposed their openings and different seating capacities and things like that. Um, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that it's going to come sooner than later. Have you seen, have you seen a hit? I mean, obviously you have, but I'm wondering because people are able to get to go beer and everything, are you, I guess has the has the impact been less or more so or even to what you expected? Um, 
I would say the hit has been more. Well, no, I take that back. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you're good. You just I opened did. your second beer. The cheers to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I decided to go with the, the bomb or so. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do it. Yeah. Might as well. Um, I'll have a glass of water first. But um, No judgment so here. I, trust me. <laughs> no, none. We all live in the uh, same area. We just learned with Jay before you jumped in. So I guess we're doing in-person oh no, I beer. Saw it on a, I saw it on a map and I was like, yeah. Jesus, I grew up in that hood. Yeah. yeah. Did, you, where, did you go to high school over there too, Rick? No, I grew up in Northern Colorado. So. Okay. <sighs> yeah, you're like five minutes from my house. If the oh. address that your website, Google pulls up randomly, I was like, wow, that's right around the corner. <laughs> it's it's creep, creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so you said worse. Okay, explain, please. Um, I guess, uh, and, and maybe it was just me always trying to be optimistic and always trying to be hopeful and trying to think of like, you know, well, they're going to, they're going to allow some leniency or some variancy on things and, and people will still be able to do draft. But I mean, we went from 50 employees to four in, you know, less than two weeks. Um, And just, you know, the four we had trouble keeping busy. Um, And so it was, it was, uh, you know, definitely a, a, a huge change in the way things were going. And it was, like I say, it was, it was, it was within a week that we had cut every, everything in half and then a week later, you know, quite a bit further. And so, um, you know, we, we have just been always kind of waiting for the, waiting for the, the time when things will, will start to be able to reopen um, dining wise. And, and we've just been sticking around, helping out wherever we can and, and doing what we can. But uh, um, I mean, my, you know, my business is a hundred percent on premise. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, I, you know, a lot of the distributors or breweries were able to, you know, instead of kegging, we're going to can and bottle everything and then go try to push grocery stores, liquor stores, get some placements there. Mm-hmm. We were a hundred percent on premise. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we, we came to a screeching halt, you know, almost overnight. Um, and so, so it's been, you know, that part was, was really hard to adjust to. Um, but, uh, um, you know, we're, we're, kind of through it, I guess, is what I'm, I'm seeing, um, you know, with, with every glimmer of hope that comes with, you know, a slightly different change of things, you know, we've got a bunch of bars and restaurants that are trying to be proactive with things that are going, hey, we could start doing business as early as like the end of the week or next week or could be tomorrow. And so, you know, every week we're getting more and more requests. We're getting more people saying, hey, we want to make sure we're ready. We want to make sure everything's clean. We're ready to go, um, or we're still doing business. So please come back out and you know, make sure we're taken care of and everything like that. So, um, so we've been finding ways. We're also trying to do a lot of deep cleaning and some extra work on things that, you know, isn't stuff that we normally get to on a regular basis. Um, we're trying to go through and kind of do a. We've implemented like a, a vinyl jumper line replacement. So that's the really flexible. On I think of just like a direct kegerator box. Mm-hmm. The, the, can see through it that clear line um that should be replaced every two years okay it's just something that doesn't get done that often um and so we're, we're making a push right now we basically threw it on at cost and <laughs> um that we're gonna you know offer to replace uh draft beer lines for you know people that we can and everything like that just to improve that quality as much as we can you know so now are you i guess 
you're kind of not just business owner and, you know, COO, are you thinking kind of CMO style? You're, you're thinking, you know, what can I be doing right now in order to keep these clients on board and make sure that they call me the first time this thing opens up? Is that what you're kind of thinking with the, Hey, no cost. Like I'm going to come do this. Is it, is it, is fucking wild and crazy as that? I, it, and it's, and, and I, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, lots of restaurants and, and lots of bars and lots of breweries and everything is, you know, they're, they're going, Hey, we're, you know, we, we're doing everything we can to keep your business and to show you that we care and we're going to make it through this. And that was kind of my bone to throw, I guess, and, you know, Hey, you know, your draft system's not being used right now. Let's revamp it. Let's take care of it. Let's, you know, and it, it's going to be minimal. It's going to be $5 to get brand new beer lines for your four product system. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. it's the profit margin off of one and a half beers. I mean, is that going to be worth getting a brand new beer system basically? Um, you know, that, that kind of thing. And so we're, we're, we're really trying to push that stuff partially because we're able to do it now without any interruption. You know, we don't have to stop to let them serve beer. We can just clean, we can get done whenever we can. Um, you know, we can, we can take apart their beer system without an interruption to their business, I guess. Are you seeing strengths with yourself that you didn't know you had as a business owner, as an entrepreneur? Mm -hmm. Were we or weaknesses? Or what? I'm sorry. Weaknesses or, or weaknesses? Yeah. Um, I'm very intrigued by what's happening now. Like I'm just, it's, 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 it's. There's a fantastic Tim Ferriss's podcast yesterday was awesome. It's the guy who owns uh, four, four of Chicago's largest restaurants, and they have managed to make more money in COVID than they were making prior, and they were making. Really? And it was three. It was three hundred. So. The interview is they were making 350 bucks per ticket and they all of a sudden said, no, we got to serve the city. We have to do our best. We got to make sure that we can kind of um, make things cheaper and everything. And they've run out of stock. And now, and now it's, it's now they're talking about, okay, so what's going to happen, you know, when we move out of this. And one of the things that they were discussing was that reservation model that we are so used to with open table is now going to be applicable to breweries to grocery stores, to all of this. And I was just like, this, I mean, it's so true. Like, yeah, yeah. You got to get a reservation to spend an hour at a brewery. And that might be what it's going to be like for the next 18 months. You know, they signed so me up for that. I know. I know. Yeah, I, I messaged the guy on Instagram. <laughs> More interaction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. But anyhow, go ahead. So I, yeah. So I kind of asked you, um, I don't even remember what I asked you. <laughs> what did I ask you? You didn't. You didn't ask a question. You're just <laughs> speaking to hear yourself speak. Yeah, that's me. That's me. I'm that guy. <clears throat> um, I got a question. I'm going to use the word. I hate this word in the middle of quarantine because I feel like I hear it ten times a day. But pivot. I mean, I just feel like you're the guy that should be pivoting to home kegerator installations during this thing. Um, and a, I'm thinking that selfishly cause I've never bothered to build my own and I'm the kind of guy who would rather just pay somebody to do it. But B read an interesting article about all the, um, potential thousands or even more, uh, barrels of beer. They're going to start getting dumped at these breweries. Um, and one of the things that I think personally, I've been saying at least a month or more that some of these breweries should have fucking pivoted to selling kegs right out the back door on day two. Mm -hmm. Um, but Weldworks is one of the few that I've seen and heard is actually doing that. But, but do you see a home keg line option coming through 
from Premium Draft Beer Service. I think I got that. I butchered the name right there. Sorry. I understood what you're saying. Um, no, but uh, uh, I mean, the whole model can be kind of tricky, partially because we make money on volume. Yeah. Okay. Um, and for us to go and clean one or two beer lines at a, at a home, it's very time consuming. Um, and scheduling wise, you know, our hours are so early We're like I said, we're, we're done usually about two in the afternoon. And, and then I got to try to maybe make a, a late crew that would go into people's houses, which, you know, has its own set of um, liability issues, I guess you could say. You could yeah. make some really good YouTube videos though and just use that as marketing. <laughs> ah, gotcha. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just yeah, I'm just yeah. thinking like truly, like you you take your your uh your limited installation services and say, Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna put together a home install model Ooh. who cares about cleaning the lines. Oh like you could be selling out the door where it, you know, don't give this away jay we're gonna talk about this like no they're kits kits no you sell kits <laughs> yeah it's Go the ahead. premier draft beer services kit Go ahead. It's in a box it's the same shape as it's the same know. shape as uh, the brooklyn brewery people yeah i got, yeah. I, got I don't need to have a third <laughs> oh my god all right we'll take over that arm of the business for you yeah 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 i mean they, they do sell they do sell at home kits you can buy from micromatic box equipment stuff like that i mean if you wanted to convert uh, kits and stuff like that um you know and we we will help out we've gone and revamped a lot of people that reach out on our website and stuff will we'll go in and, and run new lines for people and fix a bunch of poor problems because usually the kits they sell are meant for sea level and not for our elevation. And so we have ah. to do it because they go, well, every time I got it, it just pours like crap and pours foamy and I turn the pressure down to four and, I'm like, and then my beer goes flat. And <laughs> oh my so, God. I need to send you, I need to send you over to my father-in-law's then. <laughs> He's never been ever to make his kegerator work ever. That's ah, too funny. And he blames me. He blames me. <laughs> so, well, Rick, when this is when we're back on on and we're out in public, we would love to. We should do a live stream, Jay, of us watching you guys do what you do. That would be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah we're awesome. we're up early because we have kids. We all do. So, um, yeah. I don't get up nearly as early as Sam does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm up early. I'm up early. But um, where can we? Okay, so. People who listen to the show, Rick, who want to know about what you do, where should we send them? Uh, a couple ways. I mean, our, our website, www.premierdraftbeerservices.com. Um, spell it out. And that's that'll get you an email. It'll get you a phone number if you need it. Um, we've got a direct service line on there that, that'll get you in touch with if you need anything direct. Um, and then all the emails that come through will come across my desk. So... Um, I'll be able to, to help you out as much as you need to, or, or just got questions or anything like that. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's probably the easiest. Um, we've got an info line. Uh, I don't know how, how in depth you want me to go. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. Little- you're good. <laughs> I look Everything's forward. Who, uh, no, you're good. You go ahead, Jay. Who, um, should we be sending our listeners to, to support your business in terms of breweries or, tap rooms or restaurants. I mean, anybody in the hood that we should be uh, yeah. drinking beer from and dropping your name? South Denver area. Uh, no, I mean, there, there's a good chance if, if you're out drinking draft beer, we're, we're, we're the ones maintaining it's yours. 
Um, nice. you know, and, and I hope it's only a matter of time. The, the good thing about this whole shutdown is we did stick around. Um, we did, you know, we, we, we cared about the community. We, there's a few other, uh, people in my industry that kind of closed up the doors and walked away and just said, hopefully this is all here when we get done. And, um, you know, with, with restaurants, with breweries, you know, the people that stuck through this will come out stronger on the, the other end. And so hopefully, um, you know, this will, this will allow kind of the strongest survive and, and we'll be here and we're still here. Um, you know, we're the biggest in the state. We're the been around the longest in the state. So, um, you know, we're, we're ready for, if you need it. And, um, you know, your, your, your other, your average, you know, your listeners that are out there, your consumers, um, you know, if you notice something not right with a, with a beer, ask the question, you know, is this supposed to taste this way? Uh, you know, am I supposed to be, you know, having this, this flavor that I'm, I'm picking up or whatever. And if it's not, then ask the question, when were your lines cleaned? When were they Perfect. last cleaned? Um, you know, and if they can't answer it, then there's a problem. So I'm going to start asking that before I order a beer. Okay. No good play. Good, good places. Um, the, you know, we leave a record in the cooler that says last time they were clean. So nice. Um, all documented and everything. So it's like, it's like an oil change sticker. Yep, exactly. Yep. That's how it should be. Rick, thank you, sir, so, so much. Uh, Jay and I will buy you a beer as soon as we are out of this. I know exactly. We're probably going to go to a pint room and not have to pay, buy anything. But, I mean, that's I don't know. That's putting Sounds a lot like on. like the perfect story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Rick, thank you so much. Um, uh, we will send all of our friends your way. Uh, have a fantastic Monday. Uh, and tell your two daughters, uh, best of luck. This is the dad they were dealt, right? That's all you, that's all you can say. <laughs> dad, you were dealt. Exactly. That's what I tell them every morning. Exactly. I only know one thing. <laughs> All right, bye guys. Take care. Cheers. Yep. Cheers.